And we welcome you in to our homes. Welcome to the best podcast available. I'm Jason Gibbs, Andrew Gribble, Nathan Zagura. It is a free agent frenzy edition of the best podcast available. And talking about tonight, the reported free agents that we have signed, nothing official yet. Everybody's got to take physicals. Everyone's in different parts of the country. And until that gets done and contracts get signed remotely, we don't have anything official to say. But reportedly, the Browns have been pretty active in the first three days. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about how it impacts the NFL draft, especially with the Browns picking at number 10. Gribbs, we'll start with you. A busy week reportedly by the Browns as they go out, they get Austin Hooper, they get Jake Conklin, they get Case Keenum. Andrew Berry makes a trade for a fullback, reportedly, as Andy Janovich uh, joins the football team as well. Gribble, your immediate thoughts on what the Browns have reportedly done here in these first three days. Yeah, you know, it's, it's in, in free agency, you're not going to get a bunch of kind of flashy big names, and I think that's fine, but the Browns got some of the bigger names out there, and I think the, the big thing that they did was they filled a bunch of major needs on this team, and I, I think the, the Austin Hooper uh, agreeing to terms, that leaked out first, and uh, even though the Browns have David Njoku, they could certainly use another big tight end, and Austin Hooper's proved it over the last couple of years being a, a Pro Bowl kind of player who's really rising uh, as a player in the NFL. And then Jack Conklin, I think, fills a huge need on the offensive line. We've talked a lot about left tackles, but this just kind of locks you down at right tackle. Now you know what you've got in three or five offensive line spots going forward. Case Keenum's another position that you really did need with Drew Stanton uh, likely going elsewhere. You, you needed a veteran backup and, and you bring in one that knows a lot about Kevin Stefanski and can fill that void and also he's an eighth year player who's played some good football in recent years so in the the off chance or the the bad circumstance that you need him to play uh, he can hold it down for you at that position for for a while and then you know Andy Janovich that's a guy that that fits in perfectly with the, what the Browns need at, at the fullback position clearly the Broncos uh, Pat Schirmer's offense doesn't need a fullback. The Browns need one. Uh, so he's another good player. Three of the four players, the key takeaway for me, and this fits the Andrew Berry profile. These guys are all coming off their rookie deals, kind of entering their second stage of their career. And I think that fits the profile that Browns fans should look at with even maybe some more free agents to come. All right, Nathan Zagura, you join us. Uh, is this not, this is hit number two on the best podcast available this year, if I, if I recall. Um, Surprised by the number of offensive players and how aggressive this front office was in upgrading the offense when we had talked a lot about the defense needing to fill a lot of pieces. Well, I think you look at a situation where Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski talked about wanting to work in lockstep, and certainly you are seeing that. What Andrew Barry has done with Kevin Stefanski here is say, what do you need to run your offense the way that you want to run it? And then taking a step back from that, the bigger picture is this. What is the key to success for the Browns, both short-term and long-term? And the answer is Baker Mayfield. And so what you're going to do is surround Baker Mayfield with the pieces that allow him to be the best quarterback he can be for your organization and run the Kevin Stefanski offense, which has proven to be successful around the, also, around the NFL. So what do you need? You needed a second tight end, two tight ends. Last year in Minnesota, Kevin Stefanski had two tight ends on the field about 57% of the time, most in the NFL. You have Austin Hooper, who's caught about 80% of his targets, very sure hands. Then you have the athlete in David Njoku, the former first-round pick, and that gives you that two tight end look. 
Not only that, Hooper, while he's not regarded as a great blocker, he is a very, very good blocker in one particular area, the wide zone. He was actually a top five tight end blocking in terms of wide zone runs, which guess what? Is the foundation of this offense, the wide zone. That brings me to Jack Conklin. You have to protect your young quarterback. You have to develop a strong ground game to turn this into a play action system. Dan Orlovsky told us on Cleveland Browns Daily, that's the best scenario for Baker Mayfield. So you bring in Jack Conklin. You front load the deal wisely when you have cap. A good job by Andrew Barry there. And Conklin last year was the number two ranked wide zone blocking tackle in the NFL. So you're seeing not only getting young guys, as Gribbs pointed out correctly, getting people that fit this system. Let's not forget Austin Hooper has experience in the system. His rookie year, his head coach was, or his offense coordinator was, Kyle Shanahan running a very similar scheme. In Tennessee, they ran a very similar scheme, which is what Jack Conklin has some verse in. Then you go to Case Keenum. You get kind of a guy who's been around the league who can help educate Baker Mayfield on this offense. Had a career year in 2017 when Kevin Stefanski, of course, was his quarterback coach in Minnesota. And then Andy Janovich, you need that fullback. And Janovich is a guy in his career who has been very productive as a pass catcher when given the opportunity, averaging over 10 yards per catch for his career. This is a guy who was undefeated as a wrestler in high school in Nebraska, state champion, went to Nebraska. He is as fullback as it gets, and you're going to have that piece. So you look at this offense now and you say, okay, yeah, we still don't know about right guard. We still don't know about left tackle that can be addressed in the draft and we'll talk about that but your quarterback baker mayfield your second round tender kareem hunt so he's likely back with nick chubb your two receivers odell beckham jarvis landry your two tight ends david ajoku and now austin hooper and then you add conklin to the line you've got i think everything set up for baker mayfield success that was clearly priority one how do we create the best environment for our young quarterback to succeed and I love that mindset because that's the key to success in the NFL. Gribbs you take a look at the guys that we brought in Conklin obviously the biggest name I thought it was interesting how Andrew Barry and company front-loaded that contract uh, and and got the bigger money out of the way I think it's super important to get that out of the way knowing what you've got coming in the next two or three years from from guys uh on the current roster that are going to need to be paid one way or the other. Uh, your thoughts on that. And then also such an interesting setup for him. I mean, to go back to the 2016 NFL draft, the Browns essentially traded out of the spot, traded that pick to Tennessee and Tennessee takes it. Yeah, you know, it is interesting. I think the Conklin one is interesting because it's almost like it reminded me a little bit of the Kirk Cousins deal from a couple years ago with the Vikings where it was short-term with a lot of guaranteed money uh, reportedly. And for, for Conklin, this works out where it's a three-year deal. He's going to be 28 years old when he goes back on, onto the market. I mean, this is this is someone that's kind of smartly playing the, the game with the salary cap going up with the CBA, banking on himself basically. But for the Browns, you're right. You know, you've got a lot of core guys that you want to ultimately extend. So this gives you some flexibility and options to still do that and I, it is it is crazy how it all comes back to 2016 where you trade out that pick you trade down uh you get some future assets and the titans take conklin and the, his rookie season was arguably his best season in terms of how he was recognized he was a first team all pro that year really struggled with the knee injury in, at the end of 2018 but uh came back and had a very solid year for the titans this year and they just had some cap issues they couldn't bring him back so He's just such a key piece for what you need going forward. And it still doesn't 
change what you might be doing in the draft because you still have such a glaring need at left tackle. I mean, I don't know if, if the season started today, you, you'd probably lined up Kendall Lamb at that, at that left tackle spot, a spot that he really hasn't played all that much in his career either. So you still need to really go out and get a left tackle. There really isn't anyone else on the market that you probably would go out and get and feel good, good about starting at that position. So it's still a huge position in the draft uh, for the Browns, but it, it just makes you feel a lot better to have one of those open offensive line spots kind of taken taken down. Now really you have a question mark at right guard and then the big one at left tackle. But Jack Conklin just makes you feel good about just plugging someone in. He's he's not quite on the level of Joe Batonio. He's getting there, but it's, it's similar in that you just put him out there. You don't have to worry about it, and you think about the other positions on the field. Nathan, we, got a, we have a backup quarterback in Case Keenum and a guy that's very familiar with the offense we're going to be running. Uh, in addition, uh, has a great rapport with – his new head coach, formerly in Minnesota, and he's a guy that can really help Baker Mayfield. Yeah, there's Case there's, Keenum bring to the table. There's no doubt about it. In Case Keenum, you go back to that 2017 season, he ends up being the starter uh, in Minnesota, throws for over 3,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, seven interceptions, completes 68% of his passes, working hand-in-hand with Kevin Stefanski. And, you know, when we looked at who would be the ideal person to bring into this quarterback room, with Baker Mayfield, we all thought it was Case Keenum and the Browns get that done. And I'll tell you what, this offseason is going to be unique. We don't really know what's going on, when there's going to be able to be offseason workouts. To be able to have a guy who is like a coach in Case Keenum, versed in this offense, understands the intricacies of it, to be able to be with Baker Mayfield and talk to him and work out with him and all of those things, I think, goes a long way because it is an off-season of uncertainty in terms of what's going to shake out. But Case has been able to be play at a high level. He took that Vikings team to the NFC Championship game in 2017. He's somebody that wore something to happen to Baker. You know he could step in. He could win some games. But I think the real value he's going to bring as a veteran, the professionalism that he's going to bring into that room, the knowledge he's going to bring into that room. And I really don't think there was a better pairing for Baker Mayfield available on this market than Case Keenum. I think another move that, you know, we, we talk about our free agents that we've reportedly signed and those being Austin Hooper and Jake, Jake Conklin and Case Keenum. But I think Gribbs, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Kareem Hunt and the second round tender that the Browns placed on him. And clearly this is a player that's in the Browns fold and in the Browns thoughts as we approach the 2020 season, whenever that might be. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's not – there isn't too much of a difference because Kareem Hunt was a third-round pick, so the lowest you're going to go is, is third round. So uh, it's a pretty small difference, but I would say it pretty much locks you in that he's coming back. I, I just don't think any team's going to put an offer out there that will uh, throw, throw in a second-round pick as well. So you just make that another peace of mind thing where he's going to be back, and this will be interesting to see what, what the Browns do with it because as, as good as the Vikings were running the ball last year – they really didn't incorporate two backs very much. And I, I think that that's something that they're going to be able to work with throughout the offseason and develop a plan because when we saw it work last year, as much as maybe the Browns' offense was not on the same page last year, it sure looked like it was on the same page when those, both those guys were on the field, and it just seemed to work. And it was, it was more about just getting your best players on the field. And this just kind of falls into what the Browns could maybe do best. And you have two really good receivers, you have two good tight ends, and two good running backs. I, I think that's the – the foundation of what your offense is going to be. I think the Browns are obviously going to add some depth at wide receiver, 
but I would imagine just a lot less three wide receiver looks than we're accustomed to seeing because the strength of this team is at running back tight end and wide receiver at, at the top two right. wide Nathan, is there a free agent out there that you just kind of look at and go, man, I wish he would have fallen to us? Maybe. Is there a guy out there like that? I'm that's already off the board, you know. I mean, for me, I'd have to switch to the defensive side of the football. I just want to give one quick note on Kareem Hunt, and obviously we talked about Andy Janovich coming in as well. Last year under Kevin Stefanski, the Vikings used 12 personnel, which would be two running backs on the field, 34% of the time. The NFL average only 19%. So I think there's a lot that they can do with both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb together, and then either Chubb or Hunt with Janovich and that's a you know 34% it's one out of every three plays and last year in Minnesota Alexander Madison still got about 100 carries average about five yards a carry so there it wasn't like this Madison certainly wasn't on the level of a Kareem Hunt a former leading rusher in the NFL but lots of flexibility you'll be able to keep those guys fresh as for the free agents you talked about like the attention has to be turned to the defensive side of the ball and so some guys out there we know are so let's just start one area only the safety room Right now, we have Sheldrick Redwine, the fourth-round pick from the U last year. We also have JT Hassel. That's it. So the safety position is one that I was watching very, very closely. And, uh, you know, Anthony Harris is a name that's possibly still out there. The Minnesota Vikings franchise tagged him, yet they're saying he's available for trade. His salary could end up being an issue. But the guy that I kind of had my eye on and I thought really fit what we were trying to do was a single high safety and cover three looks or a split field safety but that center fielder is Trey Boston, who has been really, really good the last couple of years, but hasn't been able to hit that long-term deal and was locked up by the Carolina Panthers, the team he played for in 2019 for three years at $18 million. And I thought, man, that would have been a real nice value in giving you somebody on that back end because there are some box safeties types that are still out there available in free agency and also some in this draft that are kind of safety linebacker hybrids and so I thought the Browns might be able to address that side of it in either later in free each other draft. But the free safeties, it's tough. And I would say as we go to air right now, the guy that's probably the most accomplished out there is ha-ha Clinton Dix. But that, that free safety market is kind of drying up quickly now. To, to Gribbs' point at the beginning, Andrew Berry's looking for some younger guys going on their second contract. And you think about J. Ron Curse, who was with the Minnesota Vikings a year ago, played well for them. Will Parks who played for Joe Woods in Denver. Those are names that aren't kind of at the top of the list, but guys who have flexibility, versatility to play free, strong, or come in and cover the slot. That's where the Browns, I think, need to really look and bring in some bodies into that room. Gribble, uh, thoughts from you on uh, biggest needs here going forward? Yeah, I, I would say the, the one guy that I you would have maybe liked to see bring in, and this is just because you saw linebackers go out the door, was you know a guy like a Corey Littleton from the Rams or, or something, even, even a Nick Kwiatkowski from the Bears. You know, both those guys end up going elsewhere. So you've got some question marks at linebacker now, and I think we knew that going in. And it, it's just – it's not the same kind of market for linebacker out there. There's not a ton of big names out there. Blake Martinez uh, win elsewhere as well. So, you know, I, I just think this is an area where you've got to bank on your young guys on the roster and, and maybe add through the draft because I think you're going to maybe find some depth players at the linebacker position, but I, I think the name guys – you know, they're not there anymore. So I think that it, they really weren't there to start this free agency class. And now going forward, you're going to bet it's just going to be a young group of linebackers, no matter what. And, and you got to hope Mac Wilson takes a jump and maybe you get someone, whether it be in round one, if you're going to get an Isaiah Simmons or definitely someone on, on day two that you can believe can make an impact on you right away. 
All right, let's take a look around the NFL and free agency before we talk about how all of this is impacting our draft position at number 10, because I don't think we can get into that without discussing what has gone on and the mayhem and the chaos from the past three days of legal tampering following, uh, followed by free agency starting uh, just a few hours ago. We are recording this. It is Wednesday night. So just a heads up, a lot is changing, a lot is fluid, and the way the first three days has gone, who knows how the rest of this is going to go here in the very near future. If I would have told you Tom Brady was going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer at the start of all of this, Zagurro, what would you have said? I would have been like, let's make a Taco Bell bet on that one. I'm hungry. I need some more Taco Bell. It's, it's, it's stunning, really, when you think about it, that it was one of those things when we were at the Combine, you heard it. Everybody said, look, I, I really think this is serious. I think Tom Brady is done in New England. I have a, a close friends who have some connections to that organization. They said, I think this is maybe going to happen. I'm like, they'll figure it out, right? Robert Kraft's going to sit in a room with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, and they're going to work it out. And they did have that meeting, and they were not able to work it out. And I think Tom Brady wanted a new challenge. Uh, I think, you know, many people thought the Chargers, but the Buccaneers – it, when you think about it, it, makes a lot of sense. Good weather, great talent around him with Mike Evans and Godwin and Braid and O.J. Howard. Uh, the you know, they're supposedly maybe they're going to bring in Antonio Brown. Tom Brady's been playing, you know, staying very much in close contact with, and, and that offense could be loaded. Bruce Arians is coach Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, and obviously, you know, you think about the AFC for a long time; it was dominated by Brady, Peyton, and Big Ben. So. I think it just ended up being the right fit for him. And honestly, I think he probably wanted, and wisely so, to get out of the AFC. You know, the Chargers would be in the division with Mahomes and the reigning Super Bowl champions. I think his path to the Super Bowl, he knows, is easier in the NFC. And so he's going to take his shot down there with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I don't think anybody could possibly have envisioned this scenario playing out that Tom Brady in the year 2020 is going to be the starting quarterback the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah no question Gribbs uh when you when you think Tom Brady and moving on here I, I gotta think the Bruce Arians connection somehow some way whether it's Peyton Manning making that introduction whatever the case might be Arians history with quarterbacks that had to play a factor in this yeah it's interesting and I I had one thought about it and I think a lot of people have made this connection Bruce Arians has a relationship with Antonio Brown and Tom Brady apparently definitely has a friendship with Antonio Brown yep. that is blossoming. I mean, this is, it's kind of coming down this course or are we going to see Antonio Brown now on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well? And I, I, I wanted to be skeptical a little bit here because Tom Brady is 43 years old. He's very good, but he, he's definitely not as good as he used to be. Does this diminish the value of a Mike Evans for a downfield threat? I mean, does Tom have the, the kind of deep arm that, that, uh, that Jameis Winston did? I mean, clearly if you're the Buccaneers, you pick, we have the choice of Tom Brady or Jameis Winston. You're taking Tom Brady, even if it's a short-term bet. I, I just – we've seen this movie so many times. Joe Montana maybe had the best possible version of this ending. I'm just interested to see what we could expect going forward from the Buccaneers. I, I think that they're going to be a very interesting team. I don't know if this totally changes my feelings about their playoff prospects. I, I'm just I'm just not there yet. All right. All right. Uh, Gribbs, I think – you make a valid point there when you talk about Brady and not sure what you're getting. If you're the Indianapolis Colts, 
Uh, at least you only signed Philip Rivers to a one-year deal, it appears. $25 million, that's a lot of money, Grims, to be paying a guy that really – that's a guy that looks like he lost a step last year. Yeah, the the, the interesting – I mean, obviously it's a one-year deal. So, they're, it's it's a one-year commitment, and you'll see how it goes. And maybe they're going to look at the quarterback market uh, in the draft or, or maybe for the few following years. But I guess my issue with the Colts signing Phillip Rivers, I think he's a great leadership guy, great – just every – he's so fun to watch. It brings a lot of excitement to your team. I mean, I just – I wonder how much better he is than Jacoby Brissett at this point, especially the healthy version of Jacoby Brissett. So, I, I think that – that that's not what we saw at the end of the season last year. And now it raises the question, does Jacoby Brissett end up going back to the Patriots to be their quarterback this year? I, that I'm, I'm now more fascinated by what the Patriots are going to do at the quarterback position, because I think this is going to be, it, obviously Belichick coaches his butt off for every single year, but this is going to be the year he's going to want to try to, to prove that he can win without Tom Brady and if he and if and if Bill Belichick can get to the same destination with an Andy Dalton that quarterback instead of Tom Brady I mean that cements every part of, of Belichick's legacy that is not already cemented in the, and there's not much of it that, that is all right let me ask you both Nathan I'll start with you who if you if you had to who do you think wins a Super Bowl first Belichick or Brady or C neither well, I don't think either one of them will win a Super Bowl, but if it was between Belichick or Brady, I would go with Brady because I just think the Patriots, it's, it's just natural, and they've lost their quarterback. Now, if I'm the Patriots, I'm kicking the tires on Jameis Winston. You want to prove how great you are. You corral Jameis Winston with Josh McDaniels there and Bill Belichick. You have the guy with the talent. They might not need a new franchise quarterback, but I think Brady with the Bucks, he's immediately a Super Bowl contender because he's Tom Brady. And is that crazy? Are we being, you know, over the top about it? Probably. But he's earned that with how well he's performed throughout his career. I just think for the Patriots, it's going to be much, much tougher. They've lost the guy who was their heart and soul on the field, the best player in the league for a long time. They're in the same conference as Mahomes. Uh, they're in the same conference as the Cleveland Browns. So I think that's going to be much tougher for them to make that run back to where they had been. It just It's what they did defies all logic to keep it going without Tom Brady would defy even more logic. Not that I wouldn't put it past Bill Belichick, but I'll say Brady. However, I think ultimately they both won their last Super Bowl because you have to ask yourself, at what point does Bill Belichick say, obviously there was some discussion that they keep Josh McDaniels there year after year after year after year. At what point does he turn it over to Josh McDaniels and get himself out of the game? I'd say both have a three-year window, and I think neither win a Super Bowl. I'm leaning neither, but I'm definitely taking Belichick over Brady in this situation. Ooh, I mean, we, saw, we, we saw the Patriots win a Super Bowl by scoring 13 points against the Rams. I mean, that 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 was that was as much magic as we've seen from from Belichick in that in that time period. And, and he had a, a Gronkowski that was running on fumes at that point. Brady was not playing very well in that game. I I just I'll bank on Belichick. Granted, I uh, they've lost a lot of players in the last couple of days. I mean, you see you see Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy walk out the door and get paid. But that's that's just the system they've built. I mean, that the the, the they've just been built for years to take advantage of of whatever loophole they can find within the league. I mean, they load up on these mid tier kind of guys, guys that fit their system, guys that didn't work somewhere, come there and and ultimately kind of fix themselves. And then the the Belichick move, and we knew how this was going to end. He's always willing to move on from a guy maybe a year too early instead of a year too late. And I think that. His track record to me has proven it. I give them a better chance. I agree with Nathan, though. In, in the AFC, their, their odds are very tough. 
I, I, but I would say this. I think uh, of teams that have a better chance of being in the playoffs this year, I'm taking the Patriots over the Buccaneers. No doubt. Ooh. Wow. I like that. I like that. Zagura not liking that. Um, all right. <laughs> but we'll just touch on free agency. One final question for you guys before we get into the draft and how it applies to the Browns real quick and move on with episode eight of the best podcast available. Thanks everyone for watching or for listening, whatever the case might be. Log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe and like today to the best podcast available. Give me your wow moment of the week, whether it was a good wow, whether it was a bad wow in free agency. Zagura? I mean, Tom Brady is the ultimate wow moment of the week, right? Going to the Tampa okay. Bay. Tom Brady. Taking, taking Tom Brady out of it. I'll be honest with you. I, I really think it, and I'm looking through the Browns lens, obviously, but if you were going to tell me that the Browns were going to come out of this free agency period with the top tight end, with the top tackle, with the best backup quarterback for their system, all on, on day one, I would have said, I don't think that's I don't think we're going to be able to get Austin Hooper. That's going to be too rich for our blood. And the way they were able to structure the contracts, that really was a wow moment to me. And then the other wow moment is, frankly, the fact that it looks like Jameis Winston is not going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I realize he threw 30 interceptions. You can talk about that all you want. But the guy threw for over 5,000 yards, a ton of touchdowns. He's clearly talented. And, you know, Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky are going to be battling it out in Chicago. I mean, I just – the fact that this guy does not have a job it is befuddling to me. And the other one, not a wild moment at all. Theodore getting paid. Tacos, tacos. Gribble, moving on. Yeah, I, I agree with Nathan that I think of the wow moments, I would think for the Browns, for me, it was Austin Hooper. Because I just – maybe I just didn't expect it because I just – I saw other ways that, that Andrew Barry was going to go about building this roster. And I, I think it was a great move. And I, I think even though all the headlines were you're making him the highest paid tight end, I mean, that's just – I think that's overblown. And I think that he's making a, a solid amount and he's going to soon be surpassed by George Kittle and, and Zach Gertz. So it's, it's just a matter of time before that happens. And – but I, I just was surprised because I, I thought it would be maybe more of a quieter but, like, still productive free agency period. I did not expect the big name at the skill position, but I, 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 I'm pleasantly surprised, and I, I, will, I will take that as well. I, I think it's interesting that we are going to go into this uh, – I, I agree with Nathan because I don't know – Jameis Winston would make a lot of sense to me for the Chargers or Cam Newton. One of those guys is not going to be a starter in the NFL this year. And then maybe throw in, is Andy Dalton going to be a starter in the NFL this year? Like, there's so many, so many players. Mitch Trubisky is clearly not going to be a starter in the NFL this year. There's just so much change at the quarterback position uh, that is not usual in the NFL. You don't usually see this much movement at the quarterback spot. And I think that makes, you know, obviously there's a lot of circumstances that's going to make this one of the most anticipated NFL seasons in a long time. But uh, I've never been excited to just watch the entire league because the, the identity has changed so much in the last couple of days. Well, and Gribbs, let's transition on that note. We talk about all the quarterbacks moving. The NFL draft order, still pretty good up until about 13. And then the Colts obviously traded that first-round pick to the 49ers. But you also have a class of quarterbacks coming in that aren't slouches either, that are going to probably play right away. Yeah, I would say the events of the past couple days has made it more likely that the it seems like the Chargers are – 
maybe more likely to go for a quarterback? Because it sounds like reports are out there that they're they're leaning toward Tyrod Taylor being their guy going into the year. So that tells me they're probably using their first round pick on a quarterback. So that helps the Browns. And but I would also say that some of the movements of this week uh, would hurt the Browns in terms of maybe some teams that didn't invest in that left tackle are probably going to do it uh, in the first round. Namely, to me, the one that stands out is the Arizona Cardinals. I, I think that they're a team that could go after one after adding DeAndre Hopkins. That, that left tackle might be the final piece that they need to help kind of build a, an offense that could be really good this year. So I, I'm, I'm now, after what has happened uh, over the past 48 hours, I'm more of the opinion that the Browns might be getting the fourth tackle in this draft than I was starting on Monday. Zagura, any chance that the Browns, Gribble mentioned it, the fourth, the fourth tackle, any chance the Browns might actually have to move up to get one of these four tackles the way this is looking? Depending on how things were going to go with the Chargers, it felt like it could become possible. Uh, apparently, talking to people at the Combine, and it's really no secret, much like last year, that the New York Giants loved Daniel Jones. You, you found out that the Chargers really loved Justin Herbert. And so if you give that as a given and, and take that for what it's worth, and there seems to be a lot of smoke, the fact that they've come out and said, look, we're going to go with Tyrod Taylor this year, what tells you they're going to draft a quarterback early. Uh, so that puts three quarterbacks in the top ten. Herbert, uh, Tua, and, and Joe Burrow is going to go one. So now we're at the seventh pick for the Browns. Isaiah Simmons is going to likely go in the top ten. Chase Young is definitely going to go in the top ten. Akuda is likely to go in the top ten. So just with those three, if those three all also go in the top ten, now we're at the fourth pick. That means if every other pick is a tackle, we're still going to get the fourth one. I don't really see a scenario where four tackles go in the top nine. I think Arizona is going to take a tackle. I think it is certainly possible uh, that the Giants take a tackle and maybe one other team that could could Jacksonville take a tackle. They could. Uh, but other than that, I think you're probably in a pretty good spot to at least get number four or even number three. And who knows? You know, Dwayne Brown's a guy that a lot of teams like. Uh, maybe a team falls in love with one of these receivers like a C.D. Lamb or Ruggs. I mean, they're very talented players at, at premium positions in this draft. And you could see somebody surprise you up there. But I think the Browns are going to be in pretty good shape. Now that we know the Chargers aren't going to be taking uh, a tackle, because that was it. If they brought in a quarterback, say they brought in Jameis or Cam, they could have been a team that took a tackle. And then all of a sudden the math gets a little bit dicey depending on how it falls. All right. Final thoughts, guys, as we uh, we approach the league new year underway. We're about three hours in. Again, we're recording this on Wednesday night. A lot can change from the time that you watch this or listen to it. Um, a lot going on. A lot of things still fluid. Browns with some work still to do, especially on the defensive side. Gribble, final thoughts from you. Well, yeah, a couple of things. One, I'll follow up on what Nathan said about the left tackle thing. I do think if you are getting your fourth left tackle, that to me makes me wonder if the, the trade back would be a possibility because what if that fourth left tackle is not the guy that really fits what you want to do and then your options are better probably to move back. So that in that discussion about getting the number four left tackle in the draft, that could open up a potential move back instead of the move up that we were talking about earlier. And I would say too, obviously most of the big name free agents are off the board. That's what happens in, in NFL free agency. But just keep in mind that 
over these next few days, weeks, that there will be some impact players that end up signing with these teams, including the Browns. You go back to last year, the Browns added guys like Eric Cush and Adarius Taylor on the first day of free agency, but then got a guy like Morgan Burnett later in free agency. And he ended up playing a bigger role probably on their team than those other two guys. So there, there are going to be some players added to this team. I know people are really concerned about the defense. I, I imagine there will be some defensive players, especially ones that could play a significant role in this team this year, that will be added to this team this year. Zagura, final thoughts from you? Yeah, I agree with Gribbs. I would expect the Browns to be active. I think you're going to add a couple of safeties. I think look for the Browns to add a slot corner to complement Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, and Money Mitch. Uh, linebacker, and, and there are some veterans that are out there. I think that's the one room. I think for the most part, you're going to see the Browns looking to add guys around 26, 27, maybe 28, that age range, which is what they've done so far with the exception, obviously, of Case Keenum. The linebacker room is the one room I could maybe see them bring a veteran in to help accelerate the development and work with, uh, you know, the young guy, Sione Takitaki, and, of course, Mac Wilson. Also help on depth on the defensive line. I think on offense, you've pretty much done it. You've got your two tight ends, you're set. Your two receivers, you're set. Maybe you looked at a third receiver, but I think you can get one in this draft on day two or day three that typically would be a, a day two or a day one guy in pass drafts just because of the depth there. So I think you're good on offense, honestly. So I think the focus will be on defense. Guys who can compete at the linebacker room, safeties you need, and a slot corner along with some depth on the D-line. But I think the focus turns to defense. I think if there are any splashes left, maybe it's one. I think these are going to be guys that they've identified who they believe in their systems will be better than they were in their previous spots, young guys with growth potential. All right, that's going to wrap up Episode 8 of the best podcast available. We're all live from home. I've, I've got a spaghetti casserole in the oven. I'm not kidding when I say that. There's literally a banana holding up my phone to keep it in place from moving. We are MacGyvering things, figuring things out, and we will continue to bring you the best podcast available every Thursday leading up to the 2020 NFL Draft, which, by the way, we didn't even get to. We'll get to that next week. There's not going to be any fans at it. We'll see if there'll be any players at it or, or how this is going to go in the coming weeks and uh, about a month from now as we get ready for the 2020 NFL draft. Gribbs, Zagura, thank you. Appreciate your time. Thanks to Paul Taylor and Jeff McDaniel for literally setting all of this up, making it possible for us to be able to provide you a little video stream plus some audio. Uh, I want to thank you for watching, you for listening. Make sure you log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe today to the best podcast available. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. The best podcast available.